So we did stanza one and two, and we kind of saw in stanza one how Tolkien is setting up what he sees as our modern mentality and our scientific deterministic mindset and kind of that it's made us a little little cold and regimented and inane then in stanza two he brings back in this magic this illusion this mystery that lights up the world and makes us a little more curious and he also brings in these kind of scientific sounding words such as petrius rocks arboreal trees tellurian earth and stellar stars and these homuncular men or it could be that he just has a has an attraction to latin that that could be it okay and so we're bringing magic back into the world and we'll move on to stanza three first line yet trees are not trees until so named and seen okay so we have trees that are not trees until we name and see them in the book of genesis god tells adam to name the creatures of creation now does that include trees i i would assume so and what does it mean for god to have adam name these things what does what's in a name some people say <laughs> well in this example and in the example of the creation story there's a lot in the naming of things if we step back from the bible and i just give my own perspective as to what it means to name something we're taking something of innate reality of just raw existence and we're putting it through a few filters that we have as human beings and as perceiving minds so the first filter would be something like a sensory filter or a perceptual filter to perceive something to see something to touch something to hear something to smell something so if we look at that in the aspect of a tree the photons are going to bounce off that tree come to our eyes and we're going to see the tree in a certain way depending on the kind of creature that we are depending on how our eyes are made up and function same thing with touch if we hear the rustle of the leaves and the movement of the wind in the branches that's going to that's going to be some be a different experience than a different type of creature and the bible says that we are created in the image of god so that it's hard for me to believe that that's merely a 
a physical description. I'm more, I'm more tempted, very tempted, I should say, to see that as a, we are made in the nature of God. That not only our bodies, but our minds and our souls are reflective of the nature of God. However blurry or dull or clear that reflection is. But okay, so we have that first filter. We have the sensory filter, the perceptual filter, and then we have the con the conceptual filter. We conception. So once we bring that into our senses, it goes into our minds. And there are two kind of kind of branches that go off of that conceptual filter. One is the innate genetic first draft that we have. We have a, our brain is constituted in a certain way where our synapses fire. And so we think of things in an innate way. Maybe we don't stop there, but as human beings, we, we conceive things in a certain way. The second branch off of that conceptual filter is the, the conditioning. I should say these two branches, I see them kind of as the traditional nature and nurture aspects of development. So that second branch is our, our habitual and conditioning factors that affect the way that we conceive the world. All that to say that all of this goes into being able to see and name something to un, until so named and seen is what he says. So let's move on to the second line here. And never were so named till those had been whose speeches involuted breath unfurled faint echo and dim picture of the world. So some of these lines, I have to do a few of them just to get the full idea of what he's trying to say. So trees, he's essentially saying now, trees are not trees until those had been whose speeches involuted breath unfurled. So let's unpack that. We didn't have trees in the in the same way that we have them to us, perceived and conceived. It was raw, unformed, chaotic, and then we formed this conception around it. And it's what made the tree a tree in Tolkien's view. Whether this re reflects my philosophical sentiments or not, that's beyond the point. I'm trying to take this poem and assume what Tolkien meant by it. Whether that's right or wrong is beyond me. Okay, so, till those had been whose speeches involuted breath unfurled. I'm not exactly sure what, in, what involuted means, but I'm tempted to think that it's referring to that breath being 
put into us by God, God breathed life into the nostrils of Adam. And so the breath comes from God, and then the breath unfurls out of us. It also reminds me of the, in the second stanza, he says, Time unrolls, and now breath unfurls. So it comes from God, and then we, we are what transitions it into the world. Okay, breath unfurled, faint echo, and dim picture of the world. So we have a very faint echo and dim picture of true reality. Like I said, everything has to go through these filters that we have. And it selects certain things and leaves certain things behind in, in order to make it useful to us, perceivable to us in a useful way. And so we're, we're getting only a fraction of real existence. For a specific example, we see a very minuscule amount of the light spectrum. Our eyes are designed to perceive a minuscule amount of light. Bees see a different portion of the spectrum. Many creatures do. Okay. Next line. But neither photo, but but neither record nor photograph, being divination, judgment, and a laugh, response of those that felt a stir within by deep monition movements that were kin. So neither record nor photograph, being divination, judgment, and a laugh. So, again, this is going to lead into something, but records and photographs. I think what he's saying here is that records and photographs are a, an, an encapsulation of just a very um, one-dimensional aspect of what they are showing to us. A picture is two-dimensional. There's no life in it. They don't move like in Harry Potter. If you watch watch TV, it adds time to space. Maybe that's a way to put it. So they're very one-dimensional. And so we don't see a lot of reality in a record or a photograph being divination, judgment, and a laugh. So, di so divination, a record and a photograph could seem like magic to some people. If you haven't experienced them before, they probably would seem like that. Judgment. This one's a little harder for me to understand, but I guess I could see how the one creating the record or the photograph is choosing in what way they wish to represent that which they are embodying in this mode. So I pick I so I pick an angle when I'm flashing a photo. And the people that are aware that their picture is being taken, they are aware that they are being judged by the person taking the photo and potentially anyone in the future who will see this photo. 
And so they're acting within that knowledge. And a laugh. <laughs> what would make this a laugh? What, what would make a photograph and a record a laugh? Hmm. Maybe if anyone's listening to this, they can give their own opinion. I'm uh, not sure about that, about that one. Next line. Response of those that felt a stir within. Okay. So maybe laugh is, is the response of those that felt a stir within. By deep monition movements that were kin. So, response of those that felt a stir within. Response of those that were able to identify or to be stirred by perceiving these things. So maybe our, our response to seeing and perceiving things in creation is to judge them, to laugh at them maybe to record them and to photograph them even though it's a dim echo of the world of true of true existence okay by by deep monition movements that were kin to life and death of trees of beasts of stars felt a stir within by deep monition movements monition movements okay so these are innate natural feelings that broil up inside of us and they produce passion and they force us they force us they they incline us towards fast towards fast fascination That were kin to life and death of trees, of beasts, of stars. So these monition movements, these, these intuitions and feelings of attraction, all creatures, all conscious creatures, and maybe, maybe all aspects of creation, have this innate drive inside of them to experience the world. Trees, beasts, stars. And now he's going to go into how these things came to that point of perception. So, beasts and uh, of stars. Next line, free captives undermining shadowy bars. So, right here, I said it the beginning of stanza two, I wonder if he's just putting in this other type of determinism. Right here he says, free captives. Free captives. So we are captive to the process, but we're free. So there's a bit of a paradox here. And a lot of religious thinkers have worked within this paradox. But the thing that's important here is Tolkien is saying that free will is a part of this conception of reality. 
Free captives undermining shadowy bars. So they're digging underneath shadowy bars. They're digging for something. Next line. Digging the foreknown from experience. So digging the foreknown from experience. So is he saying that we knew something, maybe as individuals, as a collective, as we, there was foreknown knowledge that we get through experience. We're collecting awareness of reality through experiencing it. Next line, and panning the vein of spirit out of sense. Okay, so we're, we're undermining shadowy, shadowy bars, digging the foreknown from experience, and then panning the vein of spirit out of sense. So like a, like a gold miner, a gold panner, they go to a shallow stream and they, they, they sift the sediment and then see the gold nuggets in there we're panning the vein of spirit so a gold vein or a mineral vein that goes into a stream and then we sort it through we sift it and hopefully get that thing that we want which is spirit in in, in this example we're taking all experience of reality and then we're sifting it in order to find spirit from mere sensory process. So here, I'm, I'm actually curious if this is another example of that evolutionary thinking, that evolutionary theological thinking, where we spent all this time just sensing and sensing and sensing the world in this brutish way, brutish way. And the soul has been developed over eons and eons and eons from us panning existence. It's possible. Okay, next. Great, great powers they slowly brought out of themselves, and looking backward they beheld the elves. So great powers they slowly brought out of themselves. Here, so what I said in that, net, that last line, Okay, this, I think it really reinforces that idea. So great powers, great, great rational powers is I think what he means here. Slowly brought out of themselves. Does he mean through millions of years? Or because in the traditional fundamentalist perspective about Christianity, kind of our pinnacle was in the garden of eden so if these great powers have been slowly brought out of us it doesn't really make sense with that fundamentalist perspective because we have been in a decline unless they think that we've been going up but it's hard for me to see that here next line and looking backward, they beheld the elves. Looking backward, they beheld the elves. I'm not sure I understand this right now. Next line. 
that wrought on cunning forges in the mind. Okay, wrought on cunning forges in the mind. So there's <laughs> some type of ancient force that's working inside of our minds that creates this rationality and he's calling them elves. What could that symbolize? What would the elves be in this example? I'm going to have to think about that one. Next line. And light and dark on secret looms entwined. So here he's saying that in our development, in our creation by God, there are light and, light and dark aspects in our very fundamental nature. And I think that's a beautiful, that might be the most beautiful line yet, in my opinion. And light and dark on secret looms entwined. Even these light and dark aspects of ourselves are just mysterious and it takes a life of contemplation to understand what aspects of ourselves are light and what aspects of us are dark and how we might go about fixing ourselves into what we would most like to be. Hopefully a reflection, a clearer reflection of the creator okay that is stanza three and we we will be back with stanza four very soon see you